I know uh, the feast is a very exciting and and emotional time, and we are on highs there. Uh, I find, however, that just like preparing physical meals and socials and some of the things that some of you have done, there's a great deal of pressure there <clears throat> to get it all done, to get it done on time, to make it a good product, to have everything in order and not confused, and uh, that takes an awful lot of energy and time and planning and thought and and then action to get it accomplished. And the same really is true of the spiritual food or spiritual uh, preparation. Uh, speaking that many days in a row uh, becomes an emotional pressure and a stress, I guess you'd have to say. Uh, it's not that I'm not happy to do it, but the preparation and getting yourself in the right frame of mind and getting the right scriptures together and in an angle and a in a direction to take it and uh, all that does add up. And thankfully, you pray about it, and I do a great deal as well to try to be sure that we are spiritually fed properly. Properly, but afterward, it's kind of a that's over. Uh, so last night I, I went over, even I think before sundown, and I tried to decompress a little bit. We have the camp over here where everybody was welcome to come during the feast, but now it's a ghost town, and uh, nobody around. So I built a fire and pulled up a chair and sat down with a drink and decided I was just going to decompress. I I had in mind that I had to speak again today. But I wasn't ready for that. It was just a matter of take a deep breath, sit back, get personal perspective in line, and and uh, just sort of relax a little bit and unwind. So then this morning I had to start winding back up, <laughs> uh, and that's okay too. It comes with the territory; it's part of the job. But you may have some of the same reaction to a degree as well. And I think while we spoke of the kingdom of God and the blessing that that is going to be and some of the things we needed to do to prepare ourselves so that we can be a part of it and not only part but a viable, productive uh, part of it to help bring peace and tranquility to this world. And I think even the last day I came across a scripture there in Revelation that says we'll inherit all things and commented on that and how we shall reign on the earth, two different places. Uh, so ultimately, we're going to be given charge of, uh, control of, rulership and power over, along with the Father and the Son, of course, <coughs> the whole earth. And it's nice to project forward in those scriptures and realize how this is all going to turn out but then the day after the feast, we wake up with the grim reality of the way the world is today and what it's going to take to make those changes so that the world can live in peace and prosperity and joy uh, forevermore. We have a lot of things that have to be dealt with first. And prior to the feast, I had started a series on <clears throat> an overview of prophecy and what's to happen. And had gone through a number of scriptures. I want to go back and briefly hit Matthew 24 today uh, and what we are to expect 
I want to, in the next sermon or two, or perhaps not so much today, but maybe next week and thereafter, to give us maybe a perspective of the timing of these things. We've read a lot, a lot of prophecies in the Bible and the things that God is going to do, both grim and both in terms of blessing. And how is this all going to come about? Now, I don't want them to get into predicting exact dates or anything of the nature, because that's a snake pit I don't prefer to walk in. But the events and how they line up and what will happen and what will happen next and so on, I think is something that we need to grasp as best we can so that we can watch the signs, uh, as Christ said here in this context, uh, to see the leaves coming on the trees and know that our salvation or our deliverance is near. And the deliverance of the world is not far behind it, but there's an awful lot of trouble beforehand. <clears throat> but in speaking of his return and the end of this age and world, he did say, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Don't let this worry you. You are going to see it. Just don't let it worry you. Now that's a difficult thing and a, certainly a full mouthful there. When you see war and rumors of wars and you see pictures on your television or computer screen of people dying, being beheaded, being blown to bits, and that kind of thing, it's easy to get troubled, especially as you see it drawing nearer our door. But he tells us not to be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. We might say quite yet, but it's getting very close. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, that will happen, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in different places. And these are the beginning of sorrows, and then they're going to start persecuting anyone who claims to be a Christian, or indeed is a Christian. And we see the beginnings of that already. We had the mayor of Houston, who is openly lesbian, just demand, actually subpoena on a legal procedure, uh, the messages of ministers who may have spoken out against the gay community. So this kind of thing is happening. <clears throat> you know, it's not politically correct to speak out against certain types of people, but it's completely politically correct to speak against Christians. Do you, do you see anybody uh, get upset when you talk about how bad Christianity is? doesn't seem to bother uh, the powers that be at all if you talk against Christianity. In fact, that's the way they want to hear you talk. So, this will ultimately wind up being a persecution of anyone who accepts Christ in any form or fashion. Now, I want to go back and do a study in contrast today to sort of set the table. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28. It's a scripture that is referred to fairly often. In fact, we have come here occasionally. And even some of those out in the world who are on the alternative news, that is, on the Internet, 
occasionally bring up Deuteronomy 28 in reference to this nation, even though they don't understand that we are Israel. Uh, they still see the conditions that God talks about here, and they compare them to what they see around them. And they therefore equate what is happening in this nation to what they see here, even though they don't understand the racial, the cultural, or the religious uh, connections. But let's, let's look at Deuteronomy 28, and I'll begin with the first part, and let's see what we're dealing with in this nation today. Just take an open-minded look at what these scriptures say, and then see where things are headed, okay? It shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently to the voice of the Eternal your God, to observe and do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Eternal your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. Now we find in Jeremiah 31 that he exalted Ephraim to be the number one son, uh, the firstborn, he terms it, even though that was not the original birth order. So God can switch certain things around. Uh, he has the power, the capacity, the wisdom to know when to do what. And it might not seem fair in some respects to someone who might have been part of the tribe that was the firstborn, Reuben. But God laid out the prophecies according to what would be. Not necessarily what was in terms of birth order, but what he saw, perceived, and understood would actually happen among those sons as time went on and as we drew near the end of the age. So ahead of time, knowing exactly what would happen, <coughs> he changed things around. If he had left it as it was, we'd be looking at this and saying, how does that fit? But as we read this, we'll see that it does fit. Now, He's talking about how he will raise Israel as a whole here above all nations of the earth. But which nation has been raised above all the Israelite nations of the earth? Very clearly this one. Uh, there's, there's not even a close second in any form. Britain might have been the closest with the British Empire, but it never reached the autonomy and the strength and the power that this nation has had, nor has it had the incredible blessings of natural resources and water and weather and, and everything that this nation has. So God knew exactly what he was doing. <clears throat> and he says to diligently obey. You'll find that repeated in many, many places uh, through the Bible. And in fact, in an end-time context there in uh, Zechariah 3, it tells those who are in the preparatory state of doing what needs to be done to further the work of God here in the end, that they are to diligently obey. The, the main warning given there. So, the warning there is the same here as it is to the nations as a whole. 
And all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you. It's not only you'll receive blessings, but as you go through life, they're just going to roll over you. They'll overtake you like they're coming from behind, like you're standing in the surf at the ocean and, and the waves are just coming in behind you. And the blessings coming so hard they almost knock you over like a wave can. You, you can't outrun the blessings, God says. If you will obey me and diligently hearken, uh, they're just going to overtake you and envelop you and fold you, and you, you couldn't fight them off if you wanted to. Now, that's blessing. And that actually fits in very well with some of the positive blessings of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, and all the prophets, about how God is suddenly going to begin to bless his people. How he will suddenly come to his temple there in Malachi 4 and bring blessings like we have never known before. So those prophecies echo this fundamental beginning, you might say original prophecy, given by Moses of the people that would follow. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Rural, urban, doesn't matter. We will be blessed everywhere, all throughout society. And that certainly has been, I think, the case in our nation so far, uh, at least until recently. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your kind, your animals, and the flocks of your sheep. And we have led the world in these categories, in terms of uh, animal production, food production, meat production. This has been the most blessed and most prosperous nation on earth, ever to be on earth. Now there's a clue for you. God blessed Israel in the early days and took them away because of disobedience. And we have, through history, a build-up, wave after wave, and this whole thing is going to come down to God blessing Israel and the whole earth beyond anything that humans can imagine or have since Adam and Eve were in the garden. And it will eclipse that because it will just not be two people but the whole earth will be living under those circumstances and conditions. So this thing is building, building, building toward a bigger manifestation of God's blessings if certain procedures are followed. The greatest blessings ever known to the earth will be in a few years and surround the earth. The greatest blessings heretofore have been upon this nation specifically. Been done. Blessed shall be your basket and your store, or your storage. This nation came to the point we produced so much grains, so much cheese, so much butter, so much of all those commodities that we had them stacked up in warehouses and silos all the way across the country. I think I've said before, when I traveled through Wisconsin once, I was just utterly amazed 
at how many lines of storage, refrigerated storage units went on for miles for dairy products, for cheese, for all those things that they were giving out to people as commodities. And we became, in that sense, the breadbasket of the world, and still are to a great degree. We still export a great deal of food to other nations. <clears throat> so not just enough for ourselves, but enough to feed a great portion of the earth. That's where we've been. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The American dream became the dream of the world. Of wherever we went, whatever we did, it seemed we were blessed, even in war. Normandy, and some of those deliverances that occurred because God's blessing was on this nation, and weather cooperated, various things, and we could go into those stories and show that it's been done before, of how God himself must have intervened to be sure we would win some of those wars. Might not have done it without his help. Probably wouldn't have. The Eternal shall cause your enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. Well, I just said that, and it's the next verse. Uh, I get ahead of myself. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The whole world had come to tremble and fear the power and the might of this nation. No other nation has been feared in the way that we have been feared militarily. No question about it. Perhaps when some of the Roman legions were traveling around, they, they instilled a great deal of fear among people, but communication wasn't then what it is now. And now it can be very quickly a worldwide fear because of mass communication. And it can go down to the depths of every human on earth. It, is, it isn't a pleasant thing to hear the Americans and their planes are on their way toward our nation. And it's happened to a lot of them. But we've been invincible and invulnerable, haven't we? And you and I, over the last decades, have felt pretty safe. Because we knew that the power and the might of the U.S. military was there, and that no one would dare try to destroy us. Even if they had nuclear weapons, because we had more and bigger and better than they did. And they knew it would create, if they tried to take us out with those, it would create, a, create annihilation for them. So, they were afraid of us. Still are, to some degree. The Eternal shall command the blessing upon you in your storehouses and in all that you set your hand to do. And he shall bless you in the land which the Eternal your God gives you. When we came back over from Europe to inhabit and settle this land, it is the land that God gave us. It is the land that he promised us. And when he made all those predictions of blessings, they came here, did they not? So that shows you this is the promised land right there. Those blessings haven't come anywhere in the Middle East. They came here. They've been here. Now, the original promised land was pretty small. 
But God said in several places that he would expand it. So he expanded it over time to include almost this entire continent. And then it became barren and desolate with hunters and gatherers and no civilization as Europeans and others have known it by a nomadic people, a mixed races, who were left here when Israel was taken captive. So when we came back, the abundance of the promised land was here waiting. Where else could we read this and have it apply? If I were standing in Uganda today, this wouldn't make any sense. If I were standing in India this would make no sense. If I were standing in Luxembourg, this would make no sense. Standing here, it fits perfectly. There's you another proof of where the promised land is, because God predicted all these promises, and where did they come true? Right here. Right here. <clears throat> Nowhere else. Name me another nation that's been blessed above all nations of the earth. Got any volunteers? I'm open. You can't name one. <laughs> you just can't. This must be the land of promise. Now right, let's go on. Verse 9, the Eternal shall establish you a holy people to himself, as he has sworn to you, if you shall keep the commandments of the Eternal your God and walk in his ways. Which nation on earth was settled by people carrying Bibles as they came off the boat? This one. Those people... We're keeping some of them the Sabbath. Some were keeping the holy days. It was illegal among some of the settlements to keep Christmas and Easter. They might have gotten a little over-enthusiastic uh, about it, but if anybody was a worshiper of Satan or demons or they suspected they were a witch, they were killed. And there may be many who were killed who were not in that category, but if somebody thought they were, uh, that was taken care of. So, this nation was founded by a people who, though they may not have understood everything, were seeking at that time to obey God. People got in charge who did not found this nation exactly as it should have been founded later. But in the very beginning... It was a nation that was seeking God in whatever form those people could imagine or think or study out and understand. And I think it is quite uh, exciting to understand that many of them were Sabbath and feast keepers. They were there. So God was starting out to redevelop the promised land, and he wanted a holy people here. That was his goal and purpose. And all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Eternal, and they shall be afraid of you. What other nation on this earth 
maybe even some of the more prosperous ones, could be called by the name of the eternal God. China? No. They had different gods. India? No, different gods. The Islamic world? Totally different gods. Western Europe, and then out of that, the United States, and wherever Israel went, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa, and so on, they took the word of God with them. And they were known as a Christian nation. Have you ever heard a Chinese refer to his nation as a Christian nation? Not once. Have you heard it here? I mean, as I grew up, that's all you ever heard. That this is a Christian nation. This is a nation that's trying to follow God. You don't hear it as much anymore as you used to, but you used to. That's what you heard. And they'll see that you're called by the name of God. Well, that happened to us right here. And the eternal shall make you plenteous in goods, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of your cattle, and in the fruit of your, the ground, in the hand which the eternal swore to your fathers to give you. Seems like I remember hearing when it happened that we had reached 100 million people population in this nation. I don't remember how old I was. Not too old. Now we're up over 300 million as the sands of the sea. And so is Europe, for that matter. Verse 12, The Eternal shall open to you his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain to your land in his season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, and you shall not borrow. We were the greatest lending nation the nation with the most amount of foreign aid on earth. So this is talking about this nation and you and me, specifically. It's not just a general prophecy for ten lost tribes that nobody knows where are anymore, as the world thinks. But we are that firstborn son and God's designation of Ephraim. And have received all these blessings. It even, even says there in Jeremiah 31 that there will come a day when the watchman will stand on Mount Ephraim and say, let's go to Zion. <laughs> this is where Zion is. These are the mountains of Ephraim that we live right here around and, and they're a part of our everyday view. They're here. And this is where you're hearing it, too. So we were not a nation that borrowed. We were a nation that lended. We were a nation that gave. American foreign aid went around the world. Kind of nice to think back on that, isn't it? When all these things were that way, and God seemed to be smiling on everything we did. I remember growing up in that world, pretty much. God's still intervening in wars, still delivering us. And the eternal shall make you the head and not the tail. And you shall be above only, and you shall not be beneath. If that you hearken to the commandments of the eternal your God, which I command you this day to observe and to do. So we came to the point we were riding high. 
I on the hog maybe is the wrong expression there. But we're writing certainly very high on wealth, upon blessing. The rain did come. The harvest came. You've driven across this country and seen mile after mile after mile of waving wheat and corn as high as the elephant's eye for miles and miles and miles across the plains of this country. Incredibly productive. And that made us the head and not the tail, didn't it? So God predicted these things, told us how they could happen, and then indeed they did happen. It's a matter of history now. It's clear that God did his part. And that should give us a certain amount of trust and confidence in him that any who will diligently obey him are still going to have those blessings. And we've seen that in some of the prophecies that a small amount of people would be blessed in the event that this didn't transpire in the next, the last half of this chapter come to pass. So Christ could clearly and easily say, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be troubled by it. Because there's a way out of it, and you can be protected when it comes. He's speaking to his disciples, to his church there, when he said that, and those who would come afterward at the end time. <clears throat> and you shall not go aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. You are to be a Christian nation, a nation that follows God in all that you do. And you're not to go right or left, you're to go right down the middle, obeying God and serving Him with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and power, diligently obeying the Lord your God. Then verse 15, but, <laughs> rut row, here we go, but, there's always that in there, isn't there? There are always contingencies. But it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken to the voice of the Eternal your God, to observe to do all His commandments and His statutes, which I command you this day, this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. He uses the same language there. Blessings will come rolling in on you so much that you won't know what to do with it and you'll give it away and you'll be a lender and you'll do, you'll have blessings beyond your comprehension. They'll just, they'll just sweep over you. Now he literally did his part, didn't he? I don't think anyone can gainsay that. He did his part. But if you don't, if you depart, if you follow other gods, whatever they might be, materiality, self, entertainment, uh, Zen Buddhism, yoga, Muhammad, Confucius, whatever, any god other than the true God, 
then the curses will come on you and overtake you in the same way. The curses will just come from behind and overpower you. Do you see any build-up along those lines today when you listen to the news, when you read it on the internet, when you observe what's going on in this world? Is there a clue there that maybe this nation began to go to the right and to the left a little bit and we're not doing the things God wanted done. We'll explore that as we go. Do we have a wave of Ebola that could overtake us and cover us? That's about all you hear about these days. Will it be the one? I don't know. I know one's coming soon that will do exactly what this says. Whether that is the one or not remains to be seen. But we'll find out if it is the one, it's not the only one. There will be others. That doesn't say a curse. It says curses. All kinds. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. It'll get to the point you have drought, and your fields will no longer produce. Rain will not come in due season. Have we been having any droughts across this country the last year or two or three or four? We've got a horrific one in California right now, almost the whole state. And in northern Texas and part of the plains and so on, we had a terrible drought two or three years ago, whenever it was now, in Georgia and through the southeast. And then in some parts, at the same time, we're having floods. You know, a drought doesn't provide enough water to produce a crop. And a flood produces so much water, a crop can't be produced either. So either way, you wind up without food. Our cities are becoming more dangerous. And as diseases and various things occur, they're going to become far more dangerous. Curse shall you be, be your basket and your store. All those magnificent storage bins that we had for food are now dwindling. Now they're, I forget now the last thing I read about it, but some time back they were talking about how there were only so many days of stored foods left. When used to be, uh, they had the storage bins all full. I've driven through some of those areas and seen it all just poured out on the ground next to the silos. They didn't have room to store it all. Don't see it in the same way today that you did a few years ago. Curse shall you be the fruit of your body and the fruit of your land, the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep. Some of this is humanly contrived. We are shipping the benefit of our water in the form of hay to Japan and China now. And through drought and severe difficulties, ranchers have cut their cattle herds way back. They've used antibiotics and hormones to force them and push them to the point now that a dairy cow only lasts for a couple of years' production, and she's done. Completely worn out and turned into McDonald's burgers. Well, they add other stuff to the meat, but I, I, you know, that's where it goes. 
after they've gotten them so infected and ruined and worn out and useless, broken down and diseased, and I've seen it at some of the auctions, were the sickest looking animals you ever saw. Some of them barely able to walk, some of them with uh, bodily discharges coming out of them, and there's three people there buying them, three only, Wendy's, McDonald's, and Burger King. Saw that in California not long ago. <coughs> now they got some kind of a pig thing. I don't consider that food, of course, but uh, it's destroying the pork industry for the disease with the piglets. So even unclean foods are being diminished. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. Feel like going in and out of an airport today? Feel like going in and out of a bus station? Feel like going in and out of a grocery store? How about a public bathroom? I went in one yesterday, and I'm thinking, wonder who grabbed that last? No? What did they have? Of course, Ebola's. It's first in your mind. And the president right now is telling us, don't panic, don't worry, don't panic. When they tell you don't panic, it's time to be afraid. Usually what they tell you is just the opposite of what's really going on. There's a clue for you. They open their mouths, that's how you know they're lying. We're getting to the point, we're cursed wherever we go. You can... People are getting afraid even driving down the highway. They might get stopped on the traffic stop and get shot by the cops. Unarmed. It's getting worse and worse. That kind of thing's increasing. More and more, you know. They shoot somebody 15, 20, 30, 40 times. I think that's, to use an expression, overkill, maybe. It's getting more and more dangerous no matter where you go. It's not to the point you're scared literally to go out of your house yet, but time and chance is out there, and it's happening to a lot of people. Verse 20, The Eternal shall send upon you cursing, vexation, and rebuke, and all that you set your hand to do. Everything you do will turn bad, turn against you. Till you be destroyed. It'll get worse and worse and worse until you are destroyed. Is it getting worse and worse? Do we hear harbingers of destruction coming upon this land? Through military might, through disease, through drought and famine, through the things that Christ named? Yeah, we do. Till you be destroyed and until you perish quickly. Some of the things that kill us are going to be something that occurs very rapidly. Cancer can take a while. Heart disease, you can kind of keep puttering and sputtering along for a while. Diabetes, you know, kind of one piece at a time uh, until you're gone. But because of the way we live and what we do, these things are there, and now some things are coming along which can take us very quickly. 
just as it says, because of the wickedness of your doings, whereby you have forsaken me. Well, I think we can start making the contrast now, can we? How, how did that first half of the chapter sound? That was pretty good. I like that. And I lived it. So did a lot of you. And now I see this other side very, very quickly coming down upon us. The Eternal shall make the pestilence cleave to you until he hath consumed you from off the land where you go to possess it. So this land we have possessed, I will predict to you, not I, I'm not the prophet here, Moses is. But reading what Moses wrote and what God said would happen, I can tell you, without any fear of being wrong, that very soon now we are going to have pestilences, diseases, come upon us until we are consumed. Are there going to be some pandemics? That's an epidemic that goes viral. Yes. And they will very quickly consume the peoples of this nation. Are we seeing the beginnings of that? Very, very likely so. There's several diseases out there now that are moving pretty quickly to kill kids, to kill whole populations. Even AIDS itself was kind of slow. It wasn't passed along as easily as Ebola can be, or this other thing the kids are getting, the letters in 68, whatever it is. It'll get pretty soon, the list will get so long you can't remember all the names. It will consume us off the land. Oh, it's coming. You don't have to find somebody that will predict that this is going to get out of hand and it's going to start killing millions of people. God already said that. It's just a matter of which one and exactly when it hits. Or which ones and when they hit. The Eternal shall smite you with consumption and with a fever. Well, duh. A fever. And with an inflammation. And with an extreme burning. Now that is mentioned first. Disease epidemics. Hemorrhagic fever, they used to call Ebola. They've changed it now because that isn't all it does. But it comes with fever, with burning, with destruction. And with the sword, not far behind some of these things, is going to come the sword. Military takeover. And with blasting and mildew, our crops will rot. Too much water, and they mildew in the field. Too little water, and they dry up and die. And they shall pursue you until you perish. Remember, this is the promised land. This is the land that was Christian. This is the land called after God. This is the land that was blessed above all nations on earth as we professed to be and tried to be a Christian nation. Now it's turned around. Same nation, same land, 
Same people, but something happened. And now this stuff is not just something I read about back when I was eight, nine years old when I first started reading these prophecies that my parents were talking about over the table on Friday night with my uncle. Back then we thought, boy, that's awful. When is that going to happen? How will that be? Now it's arrived. It's on our shores. It's coming in on airplanes every day. Do you think anyone's really trying to stop it? When you absolutely open your southern border wide open so the people, not only from Mexico, but Central and South America, and anywhere on earth that want to go to Mexico and come here can get across and be given food and food stamps and jobs and transportation throughout the country and spread their anger and their hate and their bitterness and their diseases wherever they go. And you keep bringing in airplanes from West Africa where there is a known killer of people and populations spreading like wildfire and you let people come from there to here and you don't stop it? Are you really serious? Honestly, come on. Are you really serious about stopping this? Or are you promoting it on purpose, as God said our leaders would do to us? Do you really think the Bushes and Clinton and Obama have our best interests in mind, considering all the executive orders and everything that have come down through those administrations? It doesn't matter whether the Republican or Democrat it doesn't matter which church they go to. It doesn't matter about race. It doesn't matter about any of those things. All that matters is every one of them have been part of the New World Order and they are hastening the destruction of this country as fast as they possibly can. All of them have done it. And that includes not just presidents and vice presidents, but congressmen and other Supreme Court justices. They've all turned against this land. We won't get into all of that at the moment, but Jeremiah 50 or 51 says that our king, our leader, will give his hand. He'll shake hands and make a deal to sell us down the river. Oh yeah, they make a little flurry around the hospital about, let's get this person isolated. Well, what about the people standing around without hazmat suits on? You've seen pictures of that, haven't you? Some guy following along behind doesn't have any protection. Here's the body of the, the victim, and they, the ones carrying them have on these little suits, but nobody else around does. They let them get on airplanes. Oh, your, your fever isn't high enough to worry about it, honey. I know you've been exposed, but don't worry about it. Go on to Cleveland. It don't matter. Give me a break. You think they're serious? Yes, they are. They're dead serious. Emphasis on the dead part. That's what it says. They'll pursue you till you perish, and your heaven that is over your head, verse 23, shall be brass, and the earth that is under you shall be iron. They've used chemical fertilizers to the point now that some of, a lot of the land across this country has become so hard you can hardly plow it. It is so full of chemicals and residues that it's like trying to grow crops 
on a sheet of iron. And they have to have increasingly more chemicals to make it, to wring out of it a crop. Powder and dust. We're going to have some more dust bowls like the Depression? Yeah. In fact, some of those have already started in different parts of the Middle West. By Midwest, I mean the actual middle part of the nation, not, you know, they call Ohio and some of those places the Midwest. That ain't Midwest, that's still East. Maybe it was Midwest when you were coming in a wagon across and left New York or New Jersey and you'd come that far. That was Middle West to you. Well, it's not. It's like, it's like somebody saying, seeing somebody 45, 50 is middle age. No, they're not. If we're given about 70 to 80 years, 35 at the maximum, 40 is middle aged. You get over 40, baby, you're way past middle age. You're headed all from down. That, that's just a number we use. But this country is getting less and less productive. Which, which way is it going here? Is it getting better or is it getting worse? All right, let's see. Uh, verse 25, The Eternal shall cause you to be smitten before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. There are many prophecies that show here at the end time, this land is going to be taken over by a coalition of nations against America. A lot of scriptures talk about it. We've been there, I won't go there today. But we'll go any direction we can go to try to get away from what's about to come on this country. They've already got UN troops here in training right now, as we speak, and how to round up and kill Americans. And when this disease hits and they declare martial law, whichever disease it is, could be Ebola. There will be such absolute panic the whole structure will come down because everybody will be afraid to go to school or to work or to church or to drive a truck with food in it into a city to provide food for people. They won't dare go there because they're afraid they'll get whatever disease is the disease of the moment. You'll be smitten and flee seven ways before them and shall be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. Ezekiel 5, taken into slavery, into captivity. The ones that live and that are healthy enough to work are going to be shipped overseas and be slaves. You see, we've already been sold out. The United States Corporation, not the United States of America, there's a difference. We have a shadow government. So your social security number and other documents that are there and things that you have signed, you have sold yourself to them and they look upon you now as a possession to do with as they please. So when these nations come and ask our leaders, what are you going to give us? You owe us trillions of dollars now. We used to be the greatest lender, now we're the greatest debtor. Well, we've given you the parts. <laughs> we'll give you Chicago and New York and well, what else? Well, we need people to 
help build our new world order. We need people to work in the sweatshops. Well, hey, we'll send our people. Hey, that's a great idea. So they'll load us on ships and planes and haul us wherever they want us to work. It's coming. So so right here. Your carcass shall be meat to all fowls of the air and to the beasts of the earth, and no man shall flay them away or shoo them away. It's, ah, have at them, eat them. Clean up the land that way. The Eternal will smite you with the botch of Mitzrayim and with the hemorrhoids, or whatever that means, and with the scab and with the itch, whereof you cannot be healed. Read all those plagues that came upon the land that, where Israel was enslaved. They're coming here. All kinds of things that will make people utterly miserable and wind up killing them. Are we having a good time so far? <laughs> is this pleasant to hear? No, it is not. Is it real? Yes, it is. And I'm drilling it in because this is what God says, but you've got eyes to see and ears to hear. It's at the doorstep. It's across the doorstep. It's invading the living room in many, many different ways. Verse 28, the eternal shall smite you with madness. People start going crazy. Absolutely start raving mad. Things will be so bad. They'll just go nuts. Go postal. Go anything, anywhere that is not sane and logical and normal. And blindness and astonishment of heart will be so scared, so terrified, so astonished, so how could this happen in America? How could this happen? This can't be America. Where did this come from? Astonished. And you shall grope at noonday as the blind gropes in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways, and you shall be only oppressed and spoiled, ruined evermore, and no man shall save you. Everything you've ever seen on television in a movie house has showed some kind of American hero or superhero or somebody wearing a cape who's come in at the last moment and saved the nation. Saved the day. Fixed it all. Horrible things coming. But somebody comes in and saves us. Not going to happen. No man shall save you. You shall betroth a wife, and another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, and you shall not dwell therein. Plant a vineyard, and you will not gather the grapes thereof. Everything that we have done, everything that we've built, we will not be there. We'll be dead or in captivity. All these McMansions. You know why they're building those? You're already slaves, brethren. It's already here. People sometimes question, well, why would those banksters and politicians destroy all the money? Why would there be an economic crash? Why would they deliberately destroy our currency? 
Why would they do that? Because they have big bank accounts with lots of money in them. So in one way it doesn't make sense to destroy all that wealth because theirs goes to zero along with yours. Aha! But you don't own your house. You have a mortgage. Well, most of you here don't. Thank God, huh? Most Americans, if they own a home, have a mortgage. Most Americans have a loan on their car. Most Americans have credit card debts up to here. You know what? There are people who hold those mortgages. They can repossess your house or your car if you don't make your payments. Yeah, they may destroy the currency. They may bring in diseases that panic us to the place we can't go to work, we can't earn any money, and we can't pay our mortgages and our credit cards and our car payments and all those things that Americans are enslaved to. And when the money goes to zero, you won't have any money, and they won't unless they can burn it into another form of currency with the New World Order, which they will do. But your dollar will be worthless, and you can't make your payments. And guess what? You will have built a house, and you won't live in it. You will have planted a farm, and you won't reap the goods from it. Because those people who destroyed the money will now own, free and clear, through repossession, everything that most Americans have. And if you can't pay your mortgage, you can't pay your taxes. And whatever government is there will say, we're taking your land because you didn't pay your taxes. That's been on the books, and that's where it's been done in this country all along, hasn't it? Go three, four, five years without paying your taxes, they take your land. You don't own it. They do. By law, they do. And if you don't pay your taxes, they come and get it and boot you off it. We're not going to all the legal ramifications, but that's simply the way that it is. So, it's to their benefit to crash the economy. Because they get everything. And then they can trade some of that to the New World Order people and get a free ticket out of here in a mansion in the South Pacific or whatever. Because they're the elite who have sold us out and own it. And they can trade it to the powers that be for a living. At least so they think. There's another part to that story. It's not going to just be us peons that are ruined. It will be those in the upper echelons of our society as well. Those high in government blame it on the people. And the people blame it on the government. God blames us all. Because we are sick from the head to the tail. Top to bottom. Your ox shall be slain before your eyes, and you shall not eat thereof. Your ass shall be violently taken away from before your face, and shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, and you shall have none to rescue them. 
They'll just take everything you got. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people, and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long, and there shall be no more night in your hand. They'll just take our kids, they'll make slaves out of them, they'll be gone. You can't do a thing about it. So shall you be mad for the sight of your eyes, which you shall see. This is going to drive a lot of people crazy when this happens. The eternal shall smite you in the knees and in the legs with a sore box that cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. Like Job. Medical profession is not going to do you a bit of good. It's going to go under anyway. The eternal shall bring you and your king, which you shall set over you, to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known. Did I just say that it will happen to the leaders as well as the peons? There it is in writing. And there shall, there, there shall you serve other gods, wood and stone. And you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations where the eternal shall lead you. People who praise this and wanted the American dream are going to then begin to say, Hey, yeah, those Americans... They're not even good slaves. They're so soft, so weak, so overfed, so untrained, so undisciplined, no character, no strength. They don't even make good slaves. There's one place, is it here somewhere I'm thinking of in the Bible, which says they won't even buy you. You'll be such lousy workers, worthless, ah, I'll find somebody else. Kill that one, I don't want him. Now some of us they'll take, but a lot of them will just be killed. The eternal shall bring you and your king over you down. Let's see, and become a... Verse 38. You shall carry much seed out into the field and shall gather but a little in, for the locusts shall consume it. So drought, famine. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes for the worms shall eat them. Happening in California right now. You shall have olive trees to your coast, but you shall not anoint yourself with oil, for your olives shall cast this fruit. No water, no olives. You shall beget sons and daughters, but shall not enjoy them, for they shall go into captivity. All your trees and fruits of your land shall the locusts consume. The stranger that is within you shall get up above you very high, and you shall come down very low. Speaking to Israelites of this nation. Peoples coming in from all over the world. Are our open borders predicted? Yeah, right here. People coming in right and left willy-nilly from everywhere they want to come from, and nobody's even beginning to try to stop them. And they'll rise up high above us. This is being done on purpose today by our leaders. He shall lend to you, and you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you, and shall pursue you, and overtake you. They're going to pursue you. You've seen movie clips where they had a pursuit scene? All these things we're reading about are going to pursue us like that, and overtake us, and run over us. Till you be destroyed, because you hearken not to the voice of the Eternal your God, to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and for a wonder, and upon your seed forever. This is not something you can just toss off. 
It's going to have its effect. Because you serve not the eternal your God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. So here's a reminder right in the middle of the curses of why this is coming on our people and already has started. Therefore you shall serve your enemies which the eternal shall send against you in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things and he shall put a yoke of iron on your neck until he have destroyed you. Not an easy yoke, not a wooden yoke, an iron yoke, hard, cold steel. The Eternal shall bring a nation against you from far from the ends of the earth, as swift, swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you don't understand. Foreigners are coming in here after us. A, nation's of, a nation of fierce countenance, which shall not regard the person of the old, nor show favor to the young. And he is going to eat everything you have, your animals, your food. Verse 52, And shall besiege you in all your gates, till your high and fenced walls come down, when you trusted throughout all your land, our military, our National Guard, our different government agencies that are supposedly there to protect us and help us. We'll just go away. Do we want to read the next few verses? Let's kind of skip. Yeah, let's just kind of skip over them. You may be already reading ahead. It talks here about people in America eating their kids as soon as they're born. I'm running out of time and you're running out of stomach for this. Let's skip on down. Verse 58, If you will not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and fearful name, the Eternal, your God. If we don't do this, we're going to wind up eating our own children. You can already see some of these things I've been reading about happening, can't you? Aren't they spreading? Aren't they getting worse? Aren't the threats getting higher and higher? Stakes getting higher? Yes. It's going to get worse. Much, much, much worse. When the whole nation panics and we're taken over by foreign peoples and troops and soldiers, there'll be nothing left to eat. Just like it was in Poland, just like it's been in other places in the world in times past. This time it's coming to America where people will eat their own children as soon as they're born. 59, then the eternal will make your plagues terrible and the plagues of your seed even great plagues and of long continuance and sore sicknesses of long continuance. It won't be just a little epidemic like some of them are trying to say, well, even if this gets started, it'll run its course in two or three or four months, and if you'll just have enough food to put back for a month or two, uh, we'll quarantine everybody and everything will be all right. No, it won't. Not according to God, it won't. You shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven for multitude, because you would not obey the voice of the Eternal, your God. And it shall come to pass, that as the Eternal rejoiced over you to do you good, and to multiply you, so the Eternal will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing. And you shall be plucked from off the land where you go to possess it. 
And the Eternal shall scatter you among all people, from the one end of the earth even to the other. He's already done it to the church, which he warned of. And now it's about to hit the nation. And there you'll serve other gods, who neither your fathers have known, even wood and stone. And among those nations shall you find no ease. It's not going to be a happy time when you go over there. You know, you might dream of a vacation in France or Switzerland today, but or somewhere, China or Hong Kong, whatever. And you think of that as an idyllic thing. That's going to change. No ease. Neither shall the sole of your foot have rest, but the Eternal shall give you there a trembling heart, failing of eyes and sorrow of mind. A trembling heart means one that's scared, terrified, insecure, frustrated, and miserable. And your life shall hang in doubt before you. You don't know if you're going to die today or tomorrow. Like someone in a death camp. And you shall fear day and night. You've feared in your life, at times, a little. But what would it be like to live with fear? Absolute, abject, mind-rending fear, day and night. And you shall have none assurance of your life. In the morning you shall say, Would God it were evening. And at evening you shall say, Would God it were morning. For the fear of your heart wherewith you shall fear, and for the sight of your eyes which you shall see. And the Eternal shall bring you into Mitzrayim again with ships, taken overseas with ships, airships, sailing ships. By the way whereof I spoke to you, and you shall see it no more again. You'll die in those foreign countries. And there you shall be sold, your enemies, for bondmen and bondmen and women, and no man shall buy you. That's where it is. Yeah, you'll be sold, but heh, there's the sick... They're so weak. Why would I want them? Pretty bad situation to wind up in. So we went from discussing the kingdom of God and what's on the other side of this to the wonderful beginnings of this nation and the blessings that God gave that overtake us, overtook us. And then we swerved to the left and the right. And now these curses are coming upon us. They're going to overtake us and overwhelm us as a people. Pretty grim. And I hate to follow what we just heard at the feast with something this grim. But it's before our very eyes. It's already overtaking us. It will overwhelm us soon. And we'll be gone. At the end of the story, no. There are some who choose now to obey God who are going to miss all this, or at least most of it. We may go through some of it, but a difference will be made at some point. And I want to be one of those. I want you to be one of those. It is only going to be those who obey God diligently with all their heart, mind, body, soul, being, and power that he protects. 
prayed that you'd be worthy because it's on us now. We don't have long to wait. It's already here and getting worse. So do what you need to do. Get as close to God as you can. Because what we just read about is a tremendous horror story that no man is going to save us from. Only God can, and he will, if we do our part.